Our 100th episode is coming up on March 12th, and we're doing a giveaway. Yes, and to enter, go ahead on the giveaway post, tag three friends who aren't already following us, and then if you want to enter a second time for a bonus entry for this giveaway, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel and then send us a direct message with your YouTube username so we can keep track and enter you in for that bonus entry. Yep, for third place, we're going to be giving away a coffee gift card and stickers. For second place, we're going to give away third place prize plus a CCNC mug and t-shirt. And then for first place, we're going to give away all of that plus a pour-over uh, machine made by our friend Matthew that has our logo on it and a coffee hangout with me, you, and Tyler. Make sure you go and you enter for this great contest. Yes, you don't want to miss it. We'll be announcing the winner on the 100th episode on March 12th. This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hi, welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I'm Robbie Lashwell. I'm here with my co-host, Tyler Hurley. Yes, finally back. back. Man, it's good I know. to see you. It's good, it's good. Super excited for today, another special guest yes. interview today. We yep. are very excited. It's going to be awesome. Today, we have my friend James Umber here. James and I go way back, because uh, we've been speaking at conferences, the Deep Faith conferences yep. we've been yep. doing. Um, you are also the, is it called a chapter director? Chapter director, yeah. Sounds, Dude, you are really important. Yeah, sounds really important. Um, <laughs> totally not, but it sounds really important. No, but a chapter director with Rachel Christie at the ASU Tempe campus. Now, yep. for those of you who aren't from Arizona, that's the main, the main campus. And main. ASU, it's one of the two largest uh, universities in the state, right? Depending, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's yeah. the largest in the state. Yeah. yeah, but it's maybe one of the two largest in the country. Yeah, it's in the top, oh, I, six, I think. Six, in the okay, nice. So I think there are about 50,000 students on campus. Holy so, yeah, cow. it's yeah. like a city. I mean, really. <laughs> That's huge. Sorry, Duke. Eat your heart out. You got nothing. <laughs> yeah, right. You're too small. Ohio State's pretty big, though, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome, yeah. man. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about Ratio Christie and what you do down yeah. at ASU? I'd be happy to. So, um, ratio Christi uh, is is a Latin phrase. You know that might sound kind of strange, ratio Christi, but it it simply means the reason of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so, um, what we do is, uh, well, I should give some background. So, uh, ratio Christi originally started in 2007 by a group of students who were uh, responding on their campus to the new atheist movement. Oh, okay. Um, and so uh, they said, we need to have some reasons. We need to talk about the reasons why we believe what we believe. And so that chapter then uh, grew. And so now we have uh, chapters on uh, almost 200 university campuses around the world and uh, college crazy. and university campuses. 200? Yeah. And wow. so mostly in the United States, but there are a few chapters even in other countries. And so uh, now we have a chapter there at ASU Tempe. And so uh, it's been going great. It's been awesome. Uh, basically, what we do is we help um, the believing students understand why they can believe what they believe, why they can believe um, in Christianity. And um, so we, we study the evidence for Christianity, but we also help um, the non-believing students, the skeptics, uh, including skeptical, not only students, but also professors, um, find answers to their doubts and their questions. That's awesome. And so because of that, our, our ministry is not like um, uh, an alternative to the other Christian ministries on campus. You know, there are some great Christian ministries on the ASU campus, 
And so we partner with those ministries on campus. And so as we help strengthen the beliefs of, of the believing students, uh, the followers of Christ on campus, and as we help draw unbelievers to Christ, we then point those students to the other ministries on Getting campus. plugged in. Yeah, yeah exactly. Awesome. And to the ch- local churches as well. That's so cool, man. I think uh, everything I've ever known or heard of about Ratio Christie is just awesome. From uh, we I, on our Instagram, we follow a ton of Ratio Christie groups yeah. all over the country, cool. and it's just really cool to see what you guys are doing and how uh, it's going. I mean, people are coming to know that Christianity is viable and that there's good evidence for it. Um, so yeah, I really appreciate what you're doing down at cool. Arizona State. That's really Thank you. cool. Yeah. yeah, it's been awesome. Well. Uh, one of the things, James, and this is very important, mm. we always ask people when they come on our show, <laughs> do you like coffee? And if so, which we pray to God you do, <laughs> what Uh-oh. type of coffee do you like? So question number one, James Umber, chapter director, Ratio Christie, ASU, <laughs> do you like coffee? No. I mean, yes. No! Yes. I mean, oh. yes. Uh, oh, good, <laughs> that was good, a close good, one. Good, I know. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I actually, I, I love coffee. Uh, it helps me get going in the morning. Yeah. And so my wife and I um, started a few years ago doing cold brew coffee. And mm. uh, so we make our cold brew, you know, brews for 24 hours in the refrigerator. And then, um, yeah, it's, it's um, that way we can heat it up if we want it hot. Yeah. We can, you know, pour it over ice and, and have... Um, you know, cold coffee. So in the summers in Arizona, yeah, man, that helps. <laughs> so nice. So out. yeah, we, yeah, cold coffee is now, really nice. Now I'd like to say that I'm you know a connoisseur and uh, I drink it black. That's not true. Um, <laughs> I, I do put a, a splash of milk in there. So I think actually I should say it's more than a splash. So it comes out <laughs> concentrated, right? Yeah. So we usually add. Uh, we do half a cup of uh, the cold brew concentrate uh-huh. and then half a cup of water okay. so it's pretty watered down but it actually comes out tasting like you yeah, know well, it's drip. so concentrated yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and then half a cup of milk and then we add a little bit of tarani like a splash of oh, tarani nice. Yeah. Yeah. nice nice that's really good one of uh with cold brew and you can't do it a lot because it's so uh rich but oh, yeah. I love throwing uh, sweetened condensed milk in. Oh, Have you ever yeah. done that? Yeah. It makes, oh, man, it's <laughs> so good. It, it has a totally different flavor to it. So <laughs> That's good. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm very thankful that you like coffee. Yeah, especially, too, since we uh, gave you some coffee. I was a little nervous. Yeah, I'm like, well, know. if the answer was no, then <laughs> yikes. I, I just <laughs> like, dumped it out. It's, there's a, there's there's a puddle there. of it. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. No, just Whatever. kidding. You gave it to the plant next to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The plant. Yeah. Uh, I hope you, you aren't too attached to that plant. I think it's plastic. Probably. I think we'll be all right. Awesome. Cool, man. Well, we really are glad you're here. And um, one of the reasons we asked you to come, and one of the reasons I've wanted to have you on the show for a while, is because you are really, really intelligent about evolution and science when it comes to apologetics. And that's definitely something that Tyler and I were not really uh, um, that good at, I'd say. Yeah, it's a very interesting. Yeah, and there's so much depth to it. And man, you've really taken a ton of time. I've heard you at conferences speak on it. And I'm like, man, if we want to get somebody, I could study and I could do a subpar job or we could get James to come on and yeah, right, do an right. awesome job. And so yeah. we're really thankful you're here to talk about, uh, yeah, evolution and intelligent design, yeah. right? Yeah. And so um, I, when you're at Ratio Christie and you're doing like these like uh, ask me anything th- uh, question times at the right. mall, do you get a lot of questions about evolution or is it about other stuff? It's a mix. I mean, okay. it's all over the map, but uh, certainly we have had several students come up and ask questions about 
um, evolution because okay. they think this is, um, and by the way, when I say evolution, mainly I'm talking about Darwinian evolution, mm-hmm. uh, what's often referred to as Darwinism, this idea that um, it, it's a theory where that explains where all of life came from, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so that grand theory... They, they think this is an open and shut case. I mean, we know this is a fact. And they, mm. they say, well, in all of my classes, you know, especially the, the majors, the people who've been majoring in a science, they say, in all my classes, we know that this is a, a proven fact. Mm. And so, um, yeah, it just seems ridiculous for someone to actually question it. It's like questioning whether, you know, the, the earth is round or, yeah. or you know, questioning <laughs> yeah. whether the earth goes around the sun. That's what it sounds like to them, right? That's what it's it sounds insane, like to them, just yeah. ridiculous. And so, um, yeah, this question comes up quite a bit. Hmm. That's awesome. Well, yeah. you are the guy. You're prepared. You've got the evidence. My reputation yeah. exceeds me. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> so, all right, well, let's start with just defining terms a little bit, right? Yeah. So when we're talking about evolution, there's a difference between microevolution yes. and macroevolution. And we even had Darwin kind of tried to prove macro through showing micro, right? right? Which right. is, I kind of think, I used to do magic tricks and stuff, so I always <laughs> think that's like a little sleight of hand. Like, that's not fair. There's yeah. different categories. So can you explain a little about what's microevolution versus macroevolution? Sure, yeah, absolutely. So um, it, it's really important to make that distinction because often these are mixed up. Um, microevolution is the idea that you have these small adaptations within a genus, let's say. Mm-hmm. So now, typically, when we think of... Um, the, you know, the, the major types of animals, we tend to think of species, but really the, the word species is really ambiguous. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not very clear exactly what a species is. There are a bunch of different definitions of the word species. Okay. So um, I would say instead I would go up a level to genus or, or, or maybe family, that kind of thing. Um, so, uh, but, but these are small adaptations within that type, within that group is, is the idea. So, um, we're not talking about one type of organism changing into another type of organism, but instead we're just talking about small adaptations within that group. Okay. Um, so so uh, kind of a theoretical example, sort of a thought ex- experiment that you often hear is uh, if you have these little fluffy bunnies, right? You've got these bunnies and you've got white bunnies and you've got brown bunnies. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in an environment where, let's say, uh, snow has become more common, mm-hmm. uh, the winters are lasting longer, and so now the environment is mainly snow – those white bunnies are going to be very happy because they're going to blend in really well, right? Yeah. And so now the predators are going to be picking off the brown bunnies. The brown bunnies are goners, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so they can't hide anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, they're going to stand out like a sore thumb. So now you have uh, adaptation in the sense that now most of the bunnies are going to be these white bunnies. Okay. Um, uh, a real world example is the Galapagos finches. Uh, many people have heard of the Galapagos mm-hmm. finches, um, and Darwin had had taken note of these finches on the Galapagos Islands. And in the mid to late 1970s, there were a group of researchers that visited the Galapagos Islands. Mm-hmm. And they noticed that during a drought, they, they noticed that typically um, the finches had uh, a variety of beak sizes. Some had these small, thin beaks that are better for eating you know, soft, small seeds. Mm-hmm. And some had these thick, um, these uh, uh, large, thick beaks that were better for eating the, the large, dry seeds. Well, they noticed when there's a drought... Um, the finches with the small, thin beaks would really die out because they didn't have as much food that they could eat. And the finches with the large, thick beaks dominated uh, the islands. And so so here you have another example of adaptation, but none of this explains where the finch originally came from or even where the trait for uh, small, thin beaks or the trait for large, thick beaks 
where that originally came from. Mm. Just shown adaptation within a species. Right. We see that all over the place. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you, with, with there's different types of dogs, right? Right. And, and you, we can breed them certain ways and everything, but that's exactly. just adaptation. It's, exactly. It's not changing mm-hmm. genus or changing family. Right. Which is why this is not controversial at all. Um, it's just kind of common knowledge. Yeah, it's like not disputed. Knows, yeah. um, I don't know of a single creation scientist that actually doubts whether microevolution happens all the time. Yeah. And it's because, yeah. like you said, we observe it all the time. Yeah. In, in pretty much every species. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's awesome. Right. Okay, so, so macro. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's micro. micro. Yeah. That's micro. Yeah. Micro, which we would have no problem with. Right. Yeah. I, I totally acknowledge microevolution. That's important. And that's an important contribution that Darwin made to, yeah. the, to biology. But macroevolution instead are these large-scale changes. Okay. So this is like um, a fish becoming a reptile, or at least some kind of uh, four-legged land animal, um, or reptiles turning into birds, mm-hmm. or uh, land animals turning into whales, or even uh, primates turning into humans. Mm-hmm. Here we're talking about large-scale changes, and these are the kind of changes that you need to demonstrate in order to demonstrate Darwinism. Okay. If we're going to actually demonstrate that Darwinism is the best explanation, then we need we need to find um, examples, and we need to demonstrate... Well, first of all, we need to demonstrate that it's possible mm-hmm. for a, you know, let's say a fish to become a tetrapod, a four-legged, right. you know, yeah. land-walking animal. Um, we also need to show, so we need to show that those kinds of changes are possible, and then we also need to show that those happened in the history of life on Earth. So right. that's two things. Yes. Not just that it's possible, but that it did in fact happen, because a lot fact. of things are possible. Right, yeah, exactly, sure. <laughs> exactly. And really that distinction between micro and macro evolution is not just some distinction made up by creation scientists. Um, uh, mainstream Darwinian biologists have, have for a long time uh, acknowledged the difference between micro and macro evolution. Mm-hmm. But the question is, can micro evolutionary changes become macro evolutionary uh, changes? And uh, really, uh, that's the, the core question. And you know, we could talk about that some more if you want, but, yeah. uh, but that's no, the that's main issue. Yeah, because you, you get into like, what, I, what I've seen with this argument is you're trying to make micro put macro on its back as, well, we've seen this happen. <laughs> yeah, you right. see that and a lot. We have a theory about this, and yes. micro is just too small to carry the weight <laughs> right, yeah. of yeah. the macro evolution argument because there isn't evidence for it. Yeah. I mean, the, the reason, and we're, we're going to get into the evidence for or against mm-hmm. evolution, but right. the reason I don't believe in evolution is because I don't find any evidence for it. Macro evolution. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. I just, I don't see it. It, it. Everything I've looked at, it seems like intelligent design is more of, uh, more evidence-based. Like there's there's way more evidence for it. It makes way more sense yeah. in, in how the world is. So uh, yeah, it seems like they're really putting a lot on micro evolution yeah, to back this up, yeah. right? And that's what yeah. Darwin did with the finches and everything. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, let's get into a little bit of, all right, what do you think are some issues with microevolution? And and this is, I think, is an important distinction, or with macroevolution. Macroevolution, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. this is an important distinction for us because when we're talking with an atheist, which you do often at, right. at ASU, you're talking with a skeptic, they don't really care too much about what the Bible says. Right, yeah, yeah. And so how can we, without using the Bible, give evidence that we don't really think evolution holds water? 
right. macro evolution. So excluding yeah. the Bible, right? I've just yeah. I've seen this mistake. I'm sure you've seen it too. Where Christians, somebody will come out and say, "Why do you think evolution didn't <laughs> yeah. happen?" And they pull out their Bible, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't think the Bible's authoritative. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, for, for the average person, um, I think, and especially you know, in a secular environment, I think when you pull out the Bible, it's like pulling out Aesop's fables and saying, <laughs> "Well, let sure. me read you some passages." I mean, to to them, it's basically the same thing. Yeah, it's nonsense to, yeah. to, to people who don't believe in it. Sure, yeah, right. so it's not an authority. So what is an authority, and what can we show them to say, this is why we don't believe in it? Yeah, so I think pointing to the scientific evidence becomes really critical, mm-hmm. uh, especially when we're talking to secular uh, you know, uh, people who, who don't believe in Christianity, don't have, especially many people don't even have a Christian background, sure. which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I would say that what we need to show is that... Um, that the theory that best explains um, what we observe um, would be intelligent design rather than um, evolution. I, I think we, we need to show that Darwinism uh, does not best explain uh, what we observe. And mm-hmm. so I think when we look at the evidence, we find that Darwinism fails to explain uh, what we really observe in the biological sciences. Okay. Uh, so, for example, the fossil record, I think, is a great example of, of where we see this. The fossil record doesn't fit the pattern that evolution would predict, that Darwinian evolution would predict. If evolution is true, we should find um, evidence that, that all of life is related to a common ancestor. So um, yeah. not only would yeah. we expect to find uh, fossils of like insects and, and fish and, and reptiles and so on, but we would also expect to find millions of transitions between all yeah. these different uh, groups. Yeah, like a half Fish, half like bird, the, the half, bird, bird, half right? reptile yeah. thing. E- exactly. Yeah. And so uh, we would expect <clears throat> to find like a tree of life pattern like Darwin mm. talked about where they're all connected. Yeah. And this tree of life should have branches connecting all the different organisms, both living and extinct. So, I mean, yeah. think about all the different types of organisms on Earth today. I don't know if you've seen one of those, like one of the not abridged encyclopedias of animals and, and um all the different types of organisms on Earth. I haven't seen I mean, one. really, you'd need multiple volumes to even come close. So uh, those are the ones that are living. Now add in the ones that are extinct, which would be even more <laughs> yeah. than we have living today. <laughs> right. So um, so this is a huge tree. Usually when you see these more accurately depicted, mm-hmm. it doesn't even really look like a tree. It looks more like a point in the middle and then branches going in all directions because one direction is just too many. Mm. It, it's, okay. it doesn't all fit, you know. So you, in order to fit all the branches, you have to like wrap around the whole um, origin of life there in the middle. So, um, and, and keep in mind that each of these connecting branches represents millions and millions of years of slow, gradual change. Mm-hmm. So the number of transitions... Mm-hmm ought to be countless. We should find them in the fossil record, right? right? And that's what Darwin said. That's what he said. Yeah, it's these small progressive adaptations over a ton of time. We should find people, or not people, we should find fossils in each stage. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And so Darwin said in Origin of Species, he said, quote, the number of intermediate and transitional links between Mm. all living and extinct species must have been inconceivably great. So yeah, and but he also said um, by this theory, countless transitional forms must have existed. Why do we not find them in countless numbers in the crust of the earth? Yeah. Hmm. So it turns out the fossil record was a real problem for Darwin, and I think it's actually a bigger problem today. And so we could talk about how actually uh, the the field of paleontology, the study of fossils, has actually made the problem worse. Right. Yeah. Well, it, is that because we have more fossil? 
uh, evidence today than Darwin did in the 1800s. Right, right? yeah, exactly. Sure. Really, the, the field of paleontology has exploded since <clears throat> the 1850s. And so now today, the, the problem is even worse. Yeah. yeah. So like, for example, the paleontologist, Dr. David Raup, um, he said in 1979, he said, quote, Darwin was embarrassed by the fossil record. We're now about 120 years after Darwin, and our knowledge of the fossil record has greatly expanded. We now have over a quarter million fossil species. But the situation hasn't changed much. In fact, we have even fewer examples of evolutionary transitions than we had in Darwin's time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting, right? So and the fossil record kind of defeats the theory. Yeah, I think so. And in fact, it's only gotten worse since then. Since so, the 70s. Yeah, since the 70s. <laughs> yeah. so there hasn't yeah. been a missing link transitionary well, thing that's, found. That's what I was right. going to say. Even li- not just the fossil record, but even like living things, you don't find like the, anything that's within a transition period that drastic that's being right. described yeah, as exactly. far as macroevolution. So it's even today, you don't see that process taking place. Yeah. And I'm sure that's going to unfold like even more so as time goes on. It's like, you because it, with technology, how it's advanced, and it's like you can look at the fossil record and see that this isn't yeah yeah like that's not happening so right that's fascinating now this might be yeah. a little of a curveball because we didn't talk that's about okay. this before yeah. but i was just uh i just was reminded of um the punctuated equilibrium yeah. theory yeah now because in my mind what gould because it was it was dr gould right who came up with punctuated equilibrium. right yeah punk eek yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, that whole theory in my mind uh, is admitting that we're right about the fossil record. Right, yeah. Right, so do you want to explain a little bit about sure. what that was? And Yeah, and so so Dr. Gould and Dr. Eldridge uh, had noticed, they're both paleontologists, they study fossils, mm-hmm. um, and they both noticed that um, species appear suddenly in the fossil record, mm-hmm. these, these mm-hmm. new types of organisms. It's not always a species, but these, uh, in fact, sometimes uh, entire phyla, so this would be a major branch of <laughs> new organisms, a new body plan, appears suddenly in the fossil record. And not only do they appear suddenly, but they remain the same for millions and millions of years, mm, sometimes okay. hundreds of millions of years. So no small adaptation. No. Same. Yeah, same exactly. Okay. So it appears suddenly. In fact, um, the the uh, uh, Darwinist, and he's also uh, the director of evolutionary biology at the University of Reading, Dr. Mark Pagel said in 1999, he says, paleobiologists, which are paleontologists, mm. flock to these scientific visions of a world in a constant state of flux and admixture, you know, constant changes. But instead of finding the slow, smooth, gradual changes that um, Lyell and Darwin had expected, instead they found in the fossil record rapid bursts of change new species appearing seemingly out of nowhere and then mm. remaining unchanged for millions of mm. years. Patterns, he says, patterns hauntingly reminiscent of creation. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And he, yeah. and he's a Darwinist. But of course, that can't be true. Right, right, exactly. That's, that's ridiculous. But yeah. yeah, that's where the evidence seems, at least it, it seems on the surface to indicate that. Mm. And so then they would say, well, we're going to have to look to another theory like punctuated equilibrium to try to explain why it is that the fossil record doesn't fit what Darwinian evolution would predict. Mm. Okay, so for our, our viewers, what is punctuated equilibrium? Okay, What's yeah. the gist of the theory? So the idea is that you can have these sort of background changes, these changes that don't show up in the organism um, for a long time, and then suddenly they suddenly are expressed. Now, that's a really interesting idea. Unfortunately, geneticists, for the most part, have said that's, that doesn't fit with what we see in... Uh, in you know organisms like mm-hmm. genetics would be the study of the building instructions in in all of our bodies, 
And so uh, those building instructions, the only way to change them is as they are uh, being copied, you'd have to have like little errors, uh, you know, creep in from time mm -hmm. to time. And these are what are called mutations. Okay. And so the idea is that, uh, well, these mutations would just sort of build up and then suddenly be expressed. And then others have tried to say, well, maybe it's the nature of the fossil record. It, it only fossilizes, uh, for some reason, these transitions don't ever get fossilized. But all these attempts, are, are they're really interesting, but yeah, they, they don't seem to... Yeah, they it, don't adequately explain what we observe. No, so yeah. this is and 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 you because I haven't studied this as much, but correct me if I'm wrong with this. So Darwin said, "Here's my theory: slow change over time, millions right. of years, and that's how species change to mm. different species. Your mm -hmm. genuses change to different genuses. Right? Yeah. Okay. And then we've observed the fossil record, and we're not finding any evidence of that idea. Yeah. Sudden appearance and stasis is what we see instead." So Gould comes along and says, okay, how do I fit Darwin's theory into the evidence I see? Right. And he makes up a story. I, I think so, yeah. Without evidence, saying what happens is things just change so rapidly, we can't find them. And there are some observations that can roughly fit with that, but it's it's really a stretch, I think. It's, it's an attempt to save the theory. Yeah, to um, save the theory in spite of the evidence. Mm, yeah. And so he makes up a, a, a story without evidence. Yeah, for the most part, yes. That's what's fascinating to me. Yeah. So it's like, how's that science? Yeah, absolutely. And, and <laughs> it's, really, it's a myth. Well, and, and like uh, there are philosophers of science who've pointed this out, you know, Thomas Kuhn and such. But, but anyway, that the problem is that there's, there's always a desire to try to save your theory. Sure. And so, okay. so there is a tendency in science to try to do that, but we need to have the freedom to let dissenting voices come in and say, um, this isn't fitting with what we observe and mm -hmm. be able to propose other explanations. Science moves forward with the freedom to be able to raise these alternative theories, yeah. like I would say, like intelligent design. And to let go of things that have been disproven or don't right. have very much evidence yeah. right mm -hmm. and that that's the equilibrium the punctuated equilibrium <laughs> thing to me i'm just like yeah so, that's why so if you're correct yeah. if gould is right about his theory of what's mm -hmm. happening right he couldn't know it through evidence <laughs> right yeah pretty much and and i yeah because it, it explains away the evidence instead exactly um now i do want to clarify that um that i'm not saying there are no uh, fossils that evolutionists ever point to that they claim are transitions. Certainly, evolutionists okay. have, uh, Darwinists have a lot of different fossils that they point to that they claim are transitions. Okay. But even if this these uh, transitional fossils turn out to be legitimate transitions, it's still nowhere near the countless number of transitions that we ought to find mm. if Darwinian yeah. evolution is actually true. Right. Makes sense. So okay. even if we grant that those are legitimate transitions, like um, you know a transition from reptile to bird or a transition from fish to, to land animal, um, still it's nowhere near the, the number that we ought to find if the theory is actually to true. To explain the existence of every species. Right. Okay. Yeah, that exactly. makes a lot of sense. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Because yeah. I did see, th this wasn't too long ago, right, where there was a publication about um, some kind of a, uh, a dinosaur being fossilized that had feathers on it. Right. Right? Yeah. And they and point yeah. to that as a, see, this yeah. is a transition to being a, dinosaurs went to birds is the theory. That's the, that's the main theory. Yeah. yeah. Though there are dissenting voices within the evolutionary community who, who hmm. say, I don't think that bi uh, birds came from dinosaurs. Okay. Uh, so like uh, Dr. Alan Fiducia, um, he's uh, a biologist. He's a Darwinist, mm. but he doesn't hold that 
uh, birds came from dinosaurs. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Yeah. So it's not unanimous. Okay. It's not unanimous, no. <laughs> that is interesting. And, and that's very that. interesting. In fact, yeah. it's helpful yeah. because he points out a lot of problems. Like, for example, a lot of uh, Darwinists yeah. will say that uh, Archaeopteryx is a transition from, from reptiles to birds, from dinosaurs to birds. Mm. But he points out, we have fully formed birds in the fossil record long before Archaeopteryx ever shows up. That, yeah. So how is that a transition? <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. So that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's, it's Darwin's theory was so clean cut, right? Like this, then it turns into this, then this, and this, right. and it's a mess yeah. when you study it because yeah. you have all of these different things around at the same time. Exactly. And then um, the other thing I've always thought was interesting is you have, if 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 macroevolution is true, you have a certain populace of of apes becoming uh, you know Homo sapiens, right? While yeah. another group of apes remains ape. Right. Yeah. Right. So what's the? Ex- I just don't know. I haven't heard the explanation for why species remain while some in their species have evolved. So the idea would be that um, if you have a, a homogeneous uh, population, so like they're all the same. You know, okay. you have these organisms; they're all basically the same, and then a portion of them then migrates mm-hmm. or for some reason gets separated from the rest of the group, and now they're in a different environment. Okay. They're going to be under a different pressure you know natural selection is going to select out different features than the other group so they can start to change differently i see um so they they have a way of trying to explain that um i think what's more problematic is the fact that uh, when we look at these alleged transitions from uh early apes from from Mm. primates to humans i think that uh uh, the work of dr david menton has shown that they they fit nicely in either the human category or the ape category, oh. that uh, it's not this slow transition. Instead, what we see is there are clear diagnostic tools that we can use to tell which ones are apes and which ones are humans. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, that's fascinating, man. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about, because um, with the fossil record, the Cambrian explosion, yeah. right? There's so many great yeah. like YouTube videos and stuff out there on the Cambrian explosion. Yeah. What is it and why is it important to the fossil record argument? Right, yeah. So this is at the very beginning of the fossil record, the the really the first major fossil-bearing layer. There's one minor layer below that. But um, the first major fossil-bearing layer is the Cambrian layer. And in that layer, we see the sudden appearance of a whole bunch of new organisms. And, and not just new organisms, but entirely new body plans. In fact, uh, some have argued that most of the phyla, the major body plans that are in existence today, came about suddenly in a very small period of time at near the beginning of the Cambrian mm-hmm. uh, period. So that's why it's called an explosion, because these uh, organisms appear suddenly, almost explosively on the scene. Right. And so um, many people have pointed out, like, for example, uh, Richard Barnes, who's a, a zoologist, mm-hmm. and he's also a Darwinist. He okay. holds to, to evolution. But he says, quote, most of the animal phyla that are represented in the fossil record first appear fully formed and identifiable as their phylum in the Cambrian some uh, 550 million years ago. The fossil record is therefore of no help with respect to the origin and early diversification of various animal phyla. That's awesome. Yeah. So to to put it like simply, there's layers of strata where we find fossils. And there's this Cambrian layer that's super old. Yes. And it's not just like in a... um, 
I remember when I was studying it originally, I thought it was just in one part of the world. That's not what they mean. Like, yeah. this layer is in all parts of the world. Yeah, it stretches in many, yeah, we see it in many different places. Yeah, different continents even. Right, yeah. yes. And so when mm. you dig down, you find these fossilized animal remains, um, and it's just like everything's there. And the crazy part is the, the layer of strata prior has what in it? So the the layer prior to that is the Eddy Akron fauna, which is basically like some we're not entirely sure what they are. They seem to be underwater organisms that are kind of like jellyfish sort okay. of and it's a it's a variety okay. of different types. Yeah. But the what's what's really interesting is they bear almost no resemblance, pretty much no resemblance to what we see in the Cambrian explosion. Wow. So so there's okay, so below the Cambrian explosion. So the Cambrian explosion there's all these animal different types, body structures, everything. Right. Below it there's like these little jellyfish things yeah kind of pillowy looking and organisms. between yeah. them no transition right yeah. so it's almost like yeah. one little thing and then boom everything right explosion yeah. all the all the major groups and keep in mind that if evolution is true if darwinian evolution is true we ought to see at the origin of life one type of organism and then over time they become more and more different mm. so yes. uh really it's only toward the end of the fossil record more recently that we ought to see like very big differences mm -hmm. instead this takes that model and flips it on its head instead the uh very different body plans completely different ways of constructing an organism appear at the very beginning and in and actually uh, then just continue on okay. so that's why some people describe some darwinists even describe um, the fossil record as demonstrating rather than a tree of life, more like a lawn, mm. because these things just appear and they go straight up. <laughs> wow. Okay, that sort of thing. Interesting. And in the Cambrian layer, there's animals that we find fossilized that are extinct now. Yes. Yeah. So absolutely. You'd expect to find more diversity presently. Right. Yes. But we don't. We find more diversity yeah. at the beginning. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and less. Yeah, interesting. Well, we even know animals go extinct, right? So right. we have yeah. extinction yeah. happening. Yep. But it seems backwards to the theory. Mm. Yeah. What we would expect, I think, and you you can you can expect extinction events, that sort of thing. Um, but uh, that would just be a branch that ends, and then another branch gets taller, that mm, sort sure. of thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, to, to have all the major body plans, um, all these major differences the major structural differences appear at the very beginning yeah um <laughs> this is kind of the opposite of what darwinian evolution would predict and that's what yeah. the evidence shows that's what the evidence shows yeah and so we're not this isn't thus saith genesis one <laughs> right yeah <laughs> right. So we haven't we haven't really made reference to the bible in no, any yeah. of these arguments yeah and because you, you don't i mean i believe the bible is true yeah. Right, but you don't need to. You can no. say, "Let's just look at the evidence that's here," because the evidence should speak for itself. God reveals Himself through what's real. Yes, mm. and the yeah. fossil record's real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we Absolutely. can know yeah. Him from that, and we can know and put together um, the past through studying. So, man, I think that that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and what's interesting too is you just think like through time, like how this is going to affect Darwinists in the future, like right. with the theory, and because mm. as we progress, you know, like there's going to be more and more evidence countering it as long right. as like you're not seeing those changes take place and it's like they're going to have to keep growing and adapting these arguments if they're going to keep it alive yeah. and that's the interesting thing the only problem would be is if you find ways philosophically to exclude intelligent design sure then what other option do you have but darwinism sure. um it's yeah. kind of the only option out there and so i think we do see that at an institutional level you know in, in schools and universities where no other alternative is really allowed. And so um, now there are conferences um, that, that have been popping up 
where Darwinists are now saying we need to rethink the mechanism. Yeah. How mm-hmm. Darwinism actually goes about. Is it through mutation and natural selection, like like we've thought since uh, you know for, for a long mm-hmm. time now? Or um, are there some other mechanisms we need to try to explore? But notice all along what's assumed is Darwinian evolution. Sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. Th- that's, <laughs> a, that's a non-negotiable but uh, but we can rethink the mechanism. Well, hmm. if it's not a mechanism, I mean, evolution at its base is a mechanism. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that's yeah, what yeah, it yeah. is. It's a mechanism and a story of history, a, a historical account. Mm-hmm. So um, without the mechanism, without the how it happened, that's primarily what it is. It's a, trying to explain how we got the diversity of life on Earth. Yeah. So um, basically, they're rethinking the foundation of this entire theory but you can never actually question the conclusion. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. 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 The, well, so the conclusion is yeah. true, but the theory may be wrong. It makes zero sense. I even heard Richard Dawkins is talking about like possible aliens. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right? right. Yeah. I mean, that's where yeah. he's at yeah. with this. And he's an evolutionary biologist, right? But if you assume that science cannot move forward without, unless you exclude any sort of uh, intelligence, mm-hmm. that it has to be purely natural processes, mm. Um, well, then, um, then you come to those kind of conclusions. Well, uh, if it turns out that, that uh, you need something to create life on Earth, if you need some, well, then it must have been a, a, an alien life form that itself evolved. <laughs> so sure, sure. You're gonna, that's why he, yeah. he's stuck in that corner because yeah. he, he's already said that he can't even um, consider explanations sure. that involve a, an ultimate intelligence. Mm-hmm. Because he's already philosophically decided a supernatural, mm-hmm. godlike being can't exist. Yes. Not yes. based right. on evidence, but just based on yeah. this and, is my view. And he says that science won't work without that assumption. I, I don't think Which that's true. Which doesn't even make sense. Yeah, yeah, I don't agree right, with that right. at all. Um, that's very interesting. Well, but even his argument of, you know, alien that evolved, <laughs> it's... Lack of evidence, right? So yeah. that's another that's an argument from call, ignorance. That's what you say. Nice story, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. Yeah. Or it's called mythology, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but but also it just kicks the can back in time a little bit. Right. It doesn't right. answer the question. It just um, moves it backwards to well, and then way long ago this happened <laughs> yeah. over there. Well, right. how do you explain that? You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I was gonna say too. I even I, I've met an atheist before who I talked to about this, who he, he actually had said, th- this was several years ago, but he had actually told me, he's like, I don't actually believe that macro evolution is true. But he's wow. like, but, uh, but he said, he's like, I don't believe in intelligent design, but he's like, his thing that he said, he was like, I just think that there's no actual way that we can know wow. that it happens. And you know, to me, yeah. that's a cop out. Right. But, but yeah. the thing is, is what the reason I bring that up is because I feel like, like to a certain degree, if you don't, come up with a different answer, you're going to have to say something like that. If you're trying right. to exclude intelligent design and then exclude macroevolution, and then you're going to have to go with aliens. It's like, yeah, right. it's either intelligent design or it's natural processes. That's right. what I mean. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, but then remain a perpetual skeptics, not a position. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. this yeah. is an example that uh, the philosopher Greg Kokel brings up, but he said, you know, imagine if I came to you and I said, Hey, um, I have something in a beaker and I need you to explain like where it came from. Like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do my scientific analysis. Mm-hmm. Okay, here it is. And he hands you the beaker, and in it is an Oreo cookie. You're like, um, yeah, I can explain where that came from. It yeah. was, you know, designed. It was made. And he goes, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You're not allowed to conclude intelligent design. You have to use natural processes. That intelligent design is outside of the, the rules of science. Well, now, all of a sudden, you're like, well, I could come up with some, like, you know, 
confounded explanation. Sure. You know, it'll be a little messy, but I can come up with an explanation of how like a cocoa plant, you know, tipped over and there's a you know, sugar <laughs> cane plant nearby and lightning struck. You know, I mean, you can come up with all sorts of stuff, but, um, but really the yeah. best explanation is intelligent design. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You can <laughs> you can come up with some of the ideas. Yeah. And then if it's double stuffed, you could get into that. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's very interesting. So the fossil record, I think, kind of condemns the evolutionary Darwinian evolutionary model, right? I think so, yeah. Um, what what's another thing? Like there's there's homology, there's mutations, right. right? What do you think is another really good argument that is against uh, m- macroevolution. Yeah, so I'd say when we look at the nature of mutations, uh, mm-hmm. l- like you mentioned, I, th- mm-hmm. I think that that actually causes serious problems for Darwinism. Um, so it turns out that as far as we've ever been able to observe, when mutations actually make a change, mm-hmm. a-, a noticeable change, mutations break things, they don't make things. I think that's really important to keep in mind. Mutations break things, they don't make things. So there are neutral mutations, ones that don't really show up. You don't really see like what difference it made. Mm-hmm. But when a mutation makes a difference, it tends to break the organism uh, or a part of the organism mm-hmm. uh, rather than making some new structure. Okay. And so if we were ever going to observe mutations creating new structures, it would be in bacteria. Bacteria turn out to be the perfect place to try to observe evolution in action, okay. to try to observe mutations creating new structures because bacteria reproduce so often. Okay. Um, mm. In the lab, we can cultivate a new generation of E. coli every 20 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, okay. so, so it's in, like a fast forward. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So in one human lifetime, we can observe about 2 million generations of E. coli. Whoa. So that's like observing <laughs> a large chunk of, uh, basically observing the history of human evolution mm-hmm. um, in within one human lifetime. Okay. And keep in mind that bacteria uh, uh, mutate at a higher rate, so they actually change more often. Oh. Mm. So we really okay. ought to observe it in bacteria. But it turns out that when we observe bacteria, uh, we don't see those sorts of changes, uh, mutations creating new structures. Uh-huh. Uh, so for example, Dr. Richard Lenski uh, in his <laughs> lab, he, he's been cultivating uh, generations of E. coli. He's been growing E. coli in his lab uh, for the last 30 years. Uh, you know, everyone's got to have a hobby, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right, his right. hobby. Uh, and, it, and, it's, and he's doing it on purpose, too. It's, it's not like well, the, clean, the cleaning that's lady, yeah. like, skipped his office for the last 30 years, you know. Um, so, um, Intentional. That's so, good. so he's been observing these for the last 30 years, uh, trying to see what kind of changes we see. Yeah. And he even subjects them to selective pressure, you know. Um, uh, not enough nutrients or whatever to see if they'll adapt to these new conditions. But that's not intelligent. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean... That gets a little dicey, it's, it's right? It's kind of, yeah, simul- simulation, but yeah, it is. Simulation, okay, that's but fair. But there are, there are places where Dr. Linsky's um, experiments do kind of smack of intelligent design a little bit. There are places... But here's the point. He still has not observed um, these mutations creating new structures. Wow. And, and so mm. that's amazing. Wow. Um, even after 30 years of, of this ongoing experiment, what he sees is a lot of mutations that break existing structures, um, mutations that switch on genes that were already there, mm-hmm. um, structures that were already wow. there. But um, what we don't see is these mutations creating new structures. That's fascinating. And so that's even in E. coli. Are you telling me that the X-Men can't be real? Uh, <laughs> is yeah, that where you're getting I'm at with sorry. all of this? It's I'm <laughs> sorry, yeah. It doesn't bring super, superhuman strength. It actually breaks down. Oh, so, man. Okay, uh, total aside, but yeah. you know you know the character Rogue? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if her power came about this, this, sorry, this is a total, like, but it, if her power came about through a mutation, how does she steal the powers of other people? 
That's a great question. Did she take their mutations? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Just no, a, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a totally great nerdy question. Great. But I, yeah. It's, it's a great story. They do but call her a mutant. Doesn't so work. that's strange. Yeah. 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 How does that work? Well, all the X Men, <laughs> with maybe the exclusion of Wolverine, are mutants. Like he was intelligently designed. Right? Oh yeah, that's right. Well, oh, well partially. No, partially. he had his bones still, but they well, put no, metal but in they him. they put, but they did it to him. Yeah, you're right. It didn't just happen magically through mutation. So I, th- I, yeah, I find that fascinating. <laughs> but that's that's what even like um, you know it's really interesting. Even like the Planet of the Apes movies were based on Darwinian evolution. Yeah, right. Yeah. Except, have you seen the newer ones? I haven't. No. This is fascinating to me, um, and I don't know who made this judgment call. But in the newer ones, I think James Franco's the he's a, yeah the he's in the first of the three. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. They yeah, don't yeah. teach evolution. Really. The first the first ape Caesar. He he becomes like he becomes because of intelligent design. Oh, because they God. were working on this science. Yeah, it was a science experiment, yeah. a science experiment <laughs> yeah. that yeah. went wrong. So again, that's not evolution. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating yeah. to me. So I'm like, man, even Hollywood's seen. Nah, we can't sell this anymore. In the 70s, it was okay, but now we yeah, have right. <laughs> Which I thought was interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. So the mutation thing, it makes again. From a from a you know not from such a micro level of looking at mutations and genes, but just the way the rest of the world works. What's the Mm. law? Everything's going from a state of order to disorder. Right. Is that what you're saying happens in gene mutation? So typically, people will point to the second law of thermodynamics, and really, that's more about energy transfer. But yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. as a general rule, we do see that um, things tend to go from order to disorder. Um, it's because it's a general rule. It's harder to use that as, as evidence, but yeah, sure. I, th- I think it, it does seem to, it ought to be counterintuitive to us. It, it ought to at least make us question the theory because it really seems to be going in the opposite direction of what we tend to observe in nature. The evidence is it's not getting better and fixing itself or transitioning. Right. It's breaking down. Like we observe with mutations. Yeah. Man, that's mm. very interesting. Wow. Yeah. So again, Darwin, maybe not right. Yeah. On yeah. this one. I wonder, and again, this, you know, you can never know what he would have done in light of the the evidence we have nowadays, right? Right. Yeah. right. But you wonder, like, if he's if he knew what the fossil record was like that we've discovered now, if he knew about mutations, because he didn't even know like what the cell, he, he he thought that was the building block of life, right? Well, yeah, and so so he yeah. actually at, at that time in the eighteen fifties, they really thought of the cell is like a, a, a blob of protoplasm, you know, this sort of like gelatinous blob. And uh, so what we've discovered since then is actually each cell, whether we're talking about prokaryotic cells, these very simple cells, you know, alleged, simple, I put quotes around that, um, or even the eukaryotic cells, which are far more complex, we still see that both are highly advanced. I mean, mm-hmm. th- these are um, I think uh, Dr. Michael Denton, who's a, uh, a microbiologist, he described even the most simple single cell as far more complicated than any machine ever built by man. That's crazy. Um, so that includes things like the space shuttle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, right. Um, and so he describes it as a as a uh, as a a city, like a working city, where you have factories and you have delivery systems. Yeah. And this is what we observe. That's what's going on in each cell. Each cell, yeah, microscopic cell. And Darwin, again, because he's a a product of his time and he's the science of where he was at, not at any fault of his own, that's where he was, though. Right. But he basically thought that the cell was basically like a Lego. Right, yeah, yeah, It's just a building block of what we're made of. Right. Not yeah. that there's this whole city inside of it operating and doing things and DNA and yeah yeah. yeah exactly. So I, sometimes I do wonder like what he would think of his theory if he had the 
you know, the ideas and the evidence that we have nowadays. I do we, wonder we can't that, know, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. it's interesting. It's interesting to yeah. think about, yeah. He definitely seemed to be more humble about his theory mm. than many Darwinists today. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, yeah. I, I would like to... That's, now, that's not to paint with a broad brush. There, there are many Darwinists who are rather humble about their theory. But I'd say what we often observe is, is a, a certainty that it has to be true and an unwillingness to even question the major assumptions. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that, I think, is a, a dangerous position mm-hmm. um, for anyone. We, we end up uh, being unwilling to critically examine our view if we're not willing to you know, read the work of those who criti- criticize us and really sure. analyze it and say, well, maybe they're on to something. Yeah, well, yeah. So what do you think the appeal is of Darwinism? Because if it's not the strength of the evidence, why are so many people holding on to it? Like it's the gospel truth. Mm. Right. I think part of it is assumptions that creation must mean that all species, every single, like even dog breeds have to all appear suddenly on oh, earth. Okay. Um, there are a lot of assumptions mm. about what creation means. And so they go, well, it can't be that. Um, also, I think that, that there are a lot of assumptions about how science has to work, that it okay. has to be a natural explanation. Um, as soon as we start to see, well, no, science doesn't, you, you can observe, you have to observe natural phenomena. You have to observe yeah. natural things. And, and the processes that you're mostly going to appeal to are going to be these natural processes. But as far as what the ultimate causes are, um, I don't see any reason why you have to assume that it had to be natural processes. Sure. You basically end up deciding a huge worldview question in advance, uh, a priori, you know, before you even come to the evidence. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I think that's a lot of the appeal. Well, and how can they, how can they assume that standing on the giants of Christian scientists throughout history, most of the best science that has ever come about has been through Christian men, Newton, Copernicus, Galileo. I mean, on and on and on. It's like you can do science while believing in in Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's such an interesting uh, uh, stance for them to take. I don't know. It is. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. (laughs) Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I asked you a big question. Why do people do what they do? <laughs> right? Tell me, Let me man. read yeah. their minds. No, it, it is always tough because we want to assume the best of people that we sure. disagree with. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but, you know, that's there are a lot of assumptions that are unquestioned, unfortunately. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, well, I, I also like a point you made earlier, too. It's a, it's just dangerous to have that kind of mindset with any worldview it's not not even just in evolution and like with having flaws like just to have this thing of oh it it must happen like like without like that that determination to to make it that's just a dangerous mindset to live in even for christians because the thing is if you don't if you aren't exploring and looking at what you believe and the process of how you get to that conclusion uh, you you could be wrong and then not ever investigate no it's just a dangerous mindset yeah it's it's closed-minded it is closed-minded right right? i've I've often thought that like is the christian the closed-minded one or are we the open-minded one saying look there there's might other be a supernatural too right you know what i mean is yeah. it to say yeah. no there's no supernatural or to say hey there could be so yeah on the christian or even just the generally theistic you yeah. know a, a yeah. view that basically holds to god whether it's christian or muslim or whatever at least it's open to more causal uh entities more more possible right. causes yeah whereas a naturalistic view a view that says natural causes are the only kind of causes that we're going to um allow for this actually closes the door on several, at least philosophically possible, mm-hmm. uh, options. 
So it seems that it, it would be safer to go with um, a theistic assumption, a, a Christian, if you will, assumption, so that it, as you're approaching science, mm. so that at least you can, or at least not close the door on that, so that you can be open to other possibilities. Yeah. Right. And go yeah. wherever the evidence leads. Wherever the evidence right? leads, right. Yeah. And well, in the same way, I was going to say, like, I'm open-minded about evolution, macroevolution yeah. happening. Sure. It just, there's not enough evidence to compel me to believe that right, right now. And, and you yeah. see, that's that's like the type of mindset that we should have, right, yeah. about these things. Exactly. It's like, you should be open-minded about all possibilities, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. And that doesn't mean you believe in all possibilities. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. But you're open like, to them. Yeah. You're open to them. And yeah. you consider, okay, well, there's a likelihood generations or years from now that I could be proven wrong. Yeah. Sure. But, but I mean, as you got to go off of what you're given right now. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And well, that's the thing. And I think too, that a lot of people make the assumption. I don't know if the, I don't know if the evolutionist thinks this, but sure. If evolution's true, if Darwin's theory is proven, right. right with beyond a shadow of a doubt, we all have to go, yeah, okay, that's right. right. Which, again, how much evidence would that take? How I mean, yeah, tons. Like, yeah, I don't know if yeah. we'll... <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think we could get, right. find that much evidence in our lifetime. But let's just say it is. If evolution is proved, it doesn't disprove Christianity. Right. Right? Yeah. I don't think evolution's true because I don't find evidence for it. Right. If it was proven to be true, I might have to change my hermeneutic on Genesis 1 and 2. Yeah. Um, but would it mean Jesus didn't rise from the dead? No. <laughs> no, yeah. And and I think sometimes Christians get yeah. afraid of that. Well, if evolution's true, then Christianity's wrong. No, it's not. Yeah. We, we're <laughs> yeah. Not, I, like, I'm yeah. not willing to give that away. Like, right. it's not. It, it doesn't mean anything. It just means my preconceptions of how God did things are different. Right, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I don't believe in evolution because I find no evidence for it. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I don't know. I think we need to think like that. Like, what does what has to happen for Christianity to be true? Right. What what are, what are we fighting for here? What's yeah. what's real? And what evidence do we have mm. for Jesus' resurrection and what he taught and all these things? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I think evolution, Darwinian evolution, is just a very bad model. Yeah. yeah um, I think based right. on the fossil record, based on mutations, based on a lot of things. Right. Yeah. Um, especially when their scientists have to make up counter theories because they're not finding the evidence they have to have for the theory to work. Yeah. Like punctuated equilibrium. It cracks me up, man. Sometimes <laughs> like I'll just start laughing when I think about yeah. you had to make up a new story because your story doesn't hold water. Like right. very yeah. interesting, you know? Um, so yeah, I just, I can't find a, I can't find good evidence that's very compelling for that worldview. It right. seems to me, and again, you don't want to paint with a broad brush, but just historically what was happening was when Darwin came along with a new mechanism for the origin of life, a lot of the people who were deists could finally jump ship from a god right, and yeah. say, we're left on our own, we can do whatever we want. Yeah. And well, Darwin was a deist, correct? Was yeah, and to yeah. his credit, he did kind of... Um, distance himself from the origin of life question, mm-hmm. though in some personal letters he did, uh, you know, sort of speculate about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting is if you're going to take that same methodology that that only natural explanations are allowed, well, then you're going to end up needing a natural explanation for the origin of uh, life too. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it basically ends up resulting in the same yeah. thing. Yeah, it's just fascinating, and so. Yeah, yeah, man, this is awesome. I love talking about this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's critical. Right. I mean, where we came from is one of the most essential questions yeah. uh, uh, that we can ponder. It is, yeah. yeah. Yep, and and now what's interesting is the evidence we're finding in the fossil record, the evidence in mutations actually backs up a theistic worldview. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it does. Yeah. Which is interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, a God who made everything 
and now things are going extinct and dying off. That, that's what the yeah. Cambrian explosion shows, right? right yeah. um, mutations, right? That there was a beginning, and now everything's kind of you know fanning out, and mutations aren't working, and there's it's disruption. Kind of devolving, yeah. yeah, yeah, devolving. That's that seems to be what Scripture talks about with the onslaught of sin, right, right and the yeah. fall, and 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 even the the breaking of the natural realm in a sense, right, and mm. that it's groaning, um, and childbirth waiting for the sons of God to be revealed, and all that right. seems, in my estimation, to be what's going on. Yeah, it makes sense of reality, um, and that's what I think is awesome about the Bible. Uh, I never have to be afraid of studying science. Right, yeah. Because yeah. it, it, truth will always back itself up. Absolutely. Yeah. And and if it turns out that, um, you know, science definitively showed, if, if we had really good reason to think that, you know, the essential Christian doctrines were false, well, then I'd want to know that. <laughs> you yes, know, like, yeah. I'd yeah. want to know if Christianity <laughs> is not true. So I think we should never be afraid of, of the evidence and the truth. Because um, we ought to seek the truth, yep. and yeah. um, it's because I think that Christianity is really true um, that that's why I trust in God, and that's why I see that it's really true that he did these things for me in history, mm-hmm. um, that he ultimately came to earth as, as Jesus of Nazareth, that he died on the cross and paid for our sins and rose from the dead historically. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because of those things that I know that I can put my trust in, in God. Yep. Yeah. It's awesome, man. I love what you said. If it wasn't true, I'd really like to know it. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. kind of like banking on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like exactly. setting everything up for it. So yeah, I, I agree with that. We should follow truth wherever it leads. Yeah. yeah. Even if even if we want our theory to be right. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Right? I mean, we shouldn't. We should nope. I'd rather follow what's real. So Absolutely. that's awesome, man. Well, James, thanks so much for being on yeah, today. Thank this you been so fun. much. This was great. Yeah. So people want to find out more about you, your ministry, what you're doing, where can they go? Right. Yeah. So I'd recommend um, two places. Uh, one is if you'd like to find out about Ratio Christi, if you know students out there at ASU Tempe, um, just check us out on Facebook and on Instagram. Uh, we're at uh, Ratio Christi ASU Tempe. Um, and then uh, for uh, some of the stuff specifically regarding the, the ministry work that I do, check out Examined Life. So it's examined-life.org. Awesome. And we'll nice. put links to all that in the show notes so you can find it uh, really quick. One one note about that. Spotify doesn't have show note link capability. So we put it in there, but you have to type it out like it was 1995. <laughs> yeah. If you go yeah. on uh, iTunes or if you go on YouTube, the links work. And yeah. so just, just to help you out with that, you Spotify people. Yeah, there you go. There. That'll be awesome. Uh, definitely go check out what, what he's doing uh, uh, mm-hmm. and all his ministries. And you guys have got a ton of good stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um Especially in this regard, I think that this is a, a big deal and it's a big question people have. Even right. with high school students, man, they're always asking yes. about what's the deal with evolution? Yeah. How can I trust what the Bible says in, in regards to origins? I mean, think about it this way. Uh, five days out of the week, these students are hearing evolution is a fact. Evolution, mm. And by evolution, I mean Darwinian evolution. It's a fact. It's a fact from someone who's an expert in the sciences. Mm-hmm. One, maybe one day out of the week, they hear pastors say, um, I don't think evolution is really true. Yeah. Um, what's going to pull more weight for a student? I think um, I think we need to have these sorts of resources and we need to talk about these sorts of things because just saying, well, I don't believe in evolution and you shouldn't either is not going to counteract all the uh, what yeah. appears to be evidence that they're given five days a week. Sure, yep. 
Yeah, strong stories have power, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you're bombarded with it over and over and over again, it can be compelling or it can just get annoying and you give in to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. that happens yeah. too. So anyway, well, man, thanks so much for being here yeah. today. Yeah, thank really, you so much. This really was excited a lot it. of fun. It was just a lot of fun. Good. Diving into this topic. This is yeah. fun. Yeah, this is an honor to be on the program. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anytime. <laughs> you can come in. We'll buy you coffee and we'll hang out. So. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for being with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee. Make sure to follow us on our Instagram. Make sure to become a Christ Culture and Coffee Instagram insider on yes. facebook we've been having a lot of people uh, asking to be on that now if you're asking to be on the insiders group you have to leave us a review on itunes or a review on facebook mm-hmm. first or we won't let you in so make sure you do that <laughs> um but then also check out what james is doing at uh, ratio christi asu tempe uh also check out examined life and everything that's going on there um but make sure you're back with us next week as we have another interview that's coming up with an atheist not a former atheist with an actual atheist. So you're not going to want to miss that. And yes. also, our 100th episode is coming yes, up. We're yes, yes. two weeks out from that. Yes, and that is going to be a big deal. Obviously, you know we've been talking about this over and over at mm-hmm. the beginning of our videos and podcasts. Uh, we we really want you to know that this episode, it's, it's going to be a big event as we announce the winners of the giveaway. Yep. And we just have a lot planned for that episode it's going to be a lot of fun and you definitely want to be there yep make sure you go on instagram or facebook and enter into the giveaway because yes the top mm-hmm. prize is a whole bunch of stuff but also a coffee date with tyler and yes. myself who I mean, doesn't who, want that who right? doesn't want that now right? i saw i saw one of our friends actually he's in canada yeah. he's like well i hope i don't get first because that would mean nothing to me not because he, he wasn't like, oh, he, oh, he's, <laughs> but he was saying I can't come to Arizona right listen we'll Skype coffee date you we'll do Zoom we will, we'll we will do, do what we yeah, have we, to do to get you that. connected with us yeah It'll exactly work. so even if you don't live here yes. we can get together and we'll send you a coffee card you can buy coffee we'll buy yeah, coffee yeah. and we'll and cyber coffee date together yeah and with that just make sure you're looking at our Instagram and our Facebook uh, accounts just that way you can see updates on our 100th episode coming yeah. out because we're going to be unpacking more details of what is going to be stored in that episode and you really don't want to miss it so make sure you stay tuned for that yeah, definitely well james thanks again man for yeah being thank here you today. so much this was awesome and thank you our listeners and viewers for being with us today on christ culture and coffee we'll see you guys again next week thanks for listening to christ culture and coffee if you liked this episode please rate review and subscribe to help us reach more people